So what do you what do you think of most? What's the first thought that comes to mind when you hear a, a name like Johnny Depp? Personally, I think instantly a, a guy who can play some of the weirdest characters quite well. Uh, and what about the name like Taylor Swift? Instantly, I'm thinking like teenage love songs. You're uh, grade 11, maybe 16 years old listening to Taylor Swift. That might have been my generation. Can't promise you I actually listened to Taylor Swift when I was 16, but I'm not, I'm not going to deny it. What do, you, uh, what do you think when you hear Morgan Freeman? We think that, like, smooth voice that we would all love to narrate our lives. Early morning, as the man goes into the fridge, he reaches for a cup of milk, and he thinks to himself, is skim milk really milk? And I always, I always wonder, Morgan Freeman, did he, did he really grow up thinking, I want to be known for the voice that I have. Probably not. I, uh, this past year, for the last eight months, I was the resident director at Eston College. And as a resident director, you're kind of like a, a dorm pastor in a way. You're on staff, uh, and you sleep in the dorm with the guys. And every year, we look back to the previous resident directors, and we can always make jokes, or we always know one of them's known for something. Each one is known for something. In my first year, uh, the resident director, Noah, was known for just being so calm and peaceful. Even in the midst of chaos, he'd be like blowing up on the inside, but on the outside, it would just be like, are you, are, are you angry? I can't tell. Uh, and then and Joel, he was just known for getting people fired up. He was an intense guy. He played, he was an amazing guitarist. But when you think of Joel, you think of somebody who's just on fire for Jesus, and he's just going to get you riled up. And so I was thinking as I spent two months at Eston after uh, I was done in my position there, and I was thinking to myself, Lord, what, a, what has this past eight months been? What, is it, what have I done? And I was reminiscing, and the Lord was just revealing all these like, kind of gross things in my heart where I, uh, I wasn't honestly honoring God. I was kind of seeking my own. Uh, and it challenged me. And my, uh, my mentor, he would always ask, Quentin, what do you want to be known for? Because no matter what, you're going to be known for something. You might as well make an impact on what it's going to be. And so as I was reminiscing, I was like, Lord, what am I, what am I known for? What is, when they look back next year and they're going to be like, Quentin, resident director, what did he do? What am I known for? And I was like, oh, Brian, so much, Lord, let it be good. Let it be good. Uh, and I, and I, asked, I actually asked a friend, and I was like, what do you want to be known for? And he's like, you know, I've never thought about that. I never thought about that. And I, I asked you that same question. What do you, what do you want to be known for? As we turn to John 13, uh, we read in the beginning of the chapter, that Jesus is now with his disciples. He's really close uh, to his crucifixion, actually. And in this, in this chapter before, he's washing the disciples' feet. He's hanging out with them. John is actually laying on, on Jesus at this point. Um, and then right before he gives one of the greatest commandments, he actually declares, he calls out in a way, but Judas, you, you are my, you're my betrayer. But right before he calls out Judas, he actually washes his feet. 
So we read in uh, John 13, 34 to 35. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my, dis- my disciples if you have love for one another. For my people will be known for how they love. I feel like love is like a trigger word. It's like love, grace. They're like trigger words. We're like, ah, I've heard it before. I'm out. Thanks, guys. Next time. And, I, and I'm, I'm not going to lie. I think I've done it so many times. Love is that trigger word. I hear it, and I'm like, ah, oh, another one of these. And I think it's partly because we don't actually grasp it, so we talk about it all the time, which I know is probably my problem. But also because the world talks about love so much. Like, there's so many definitions in the world of love, but majority of them aren't actually biblical, but they seep through our understanding of love. And I, and I remember when I was thinking, what do I want to be known for? Right before I even read this verse, I was like, Lord, I want to be known as a man that loves. And I'd like to think that it was the Jesus rising up in me, and I pray that it was. So what does Jesus mean with a biblical love? Like, what does it mean to love? Be known by how you love. I think the first thing about love is it's actually an outward expression. See, love, love to be known means it has to be pushed out. And what I mean out is I mean actually out of the church. For love in the church to be expressed and for you to be known, it has to be lived out in front of others. See, I think as human beings, and I know I do this all the time, is we get, we get comfortable. We really we like knowing people. And so when we get this group of people, especially at a church that we're really comfortable with, our love tends, tends to almost become just this group of people. And we begin to spend all our time with Christians and only Christians. But then when our love is only inside the church and it's only Christian, there is no love extended. So how are we going to be known for being ones that love? Because Jesus didn't cast Christianity as a glorified clique, but as a contagious love that compels people to come and see Our love is to go out of the world, go out to the world. There's a saying, and um, I don't know if I completely agree with it, but it says, uh, the world's going to get darker and the church is going to get brighter. And I don't necessarily agree with that because if a church is actually loving and, it's, and it is the light on top of a hill and the world is getting darker, that means the light is actually not shining because where there's light, there's no darkness. So if the world is really getting darker, then the church isn't getting brighter. Love goes low. See, it sets aside those those social statues, those cultural norms, and the comfort of convenience. I was reading an article and, uh, about love, and then Tim Keller said this beautiful thing, and as I read it, I was like, oh my, wow, that's me. And it goes like this. There's one person we naturally adore. There's one person we naturally obey. 
There's one person we naturally exalt. There's one person we naturally defend and honor. There's one person we naturally serve. There's one person to whom we naturally give the benefit of the doubt, believe the best, and work tirelessly to secure the good of that person. And that person is ourselves. It's hard. It's hard not to be that. The other day, uh, Jared cooked me dinner, and I, was, uh, I bought a bike, and I was putting in new pedals, because I was like, yeah, plastic ones? Psh, I would like to get my shins ripped open by metal ones instead. <laughs> so I put those on. And uh, in the process, he was making dinner, and the thought came across to me. I was like, oh, I should go help Jared. But then I was like, no, 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 I really want these pedals on. And so I put them on, and then I come inside, and I'm like, what have I done? Instantly, I thought of my own self. Now, Jared, being the gracious guy that he is, he didn't even care. He didn't even bat an eye. He actually told me, no, no, go do it. And then it came to cleanup time, and I was on my phone Googling something because I needed to know how to fix. And then, of course, he was doing the dishes, and then I was like, oh, I'll be there in a second. And I'm like, how do I fix this? How do I fix this? And then I look up, and the dishes are done already, and I'm like, oh, I did it again, Lord. Yeah, just all about me. But there's something interesting, and I think Tim Keller continues on in this thing, and and it kind of struck me. You often find congregations believing that they are the most loving church. But what they are saying is that we like the people we have surrounded ourselves with, people that we feel comfortable with, people that we don't like, we tolerate. I was like, oof. I think I naturally would like to think, yeah, I'm a loving person, honestly. I'd like to say, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty loving. But then I look back on even yesterday when I was fixing my bike and I go, oh man, Lord, I've got a long ways to go before I'm selfless. There's a great book that kind of goes along with this sermon series called uh, Everybody Always by Bob Goff. And it, I read it uh, about a year ago, actually. And I remember reading it, and I couldn't put it down. I highly recommend it. Love Does by Bob Goff is another book he does, and it's, it's an amazing book. It challenged me because it's testimony after testimony about how he lived out a faith-filled life in America. Like, I'm not talking he's in Turkey. I'm not talking he's in overseas, and there's crazy things. No, like, crazy things are happening in, in, in America, in Canada, actually. And I was like, man, Lord, this is possible? And one of the things he said is, you typically avoid the people that you don't like. And I was like, oh, I've done that. I've been in Walmart before, and I've pulled around that corner and been like, never mind. <laughs> Next corner. I don't, I don't need granola bars today. We, we, we are polite, though. We are polite. But politeness isn't necessarily love. God wants us to become love. Because love sees the beauty in others even when they're off-putting behavior kind of makes for a weird mask. And I think those weird masks that we see is actually perhaps maybe their defense. Because I know sometimes when I'm fearful or I'm scared of opening up to people, which is very much me, I'll put up a weird face. I'll be somebody else. And that discernment 
we kind of smell it. Like we can smell something's off, but we can't always put our finger on it. Mm, that's exactly what it is. No, but we can smell something's off. So we're kind of like, mm, I don't know. So we avoid them, but we're polite because that's a good Christian thing. But polite isn't love. See, if I'm only willing to love people who are nice to me or don't weird me out or the ones that see things the way I do and avoid all the rest, it's like reading every other page of the Bible and thinking I know what it says. It's like only putting on two summer tires or putting on two winter tires come October, one in the front left and one in the back right. I don't think it works that way. Love gives more than we could. And it's hard. One time the Lord challenged me. I was trying to buy a car. I seem, every summer it seems I have to buy a car. I feel like there's a trend that I'd like to break eventually. And I had to, I had to buy a set of wheels. And I had, a, I had a, a solid amount saved up. And a friend of mine, uh, she's a missionary overseas. She needed money for rent. And uh, the Lord was just like, you are paying for it. And you're going to give X amount. And I was like, Lord, that's half of my car fund. It's <laughs> like, what am I going to do? I need to buy a car. And, he, and then he, and he would be like, no, no, you need to do this. Because this is what my people do. They give. And so I reluctantly gave it. But then repented very quickly afterwards. And the Lord said, oh, only a cheerful giver. <laughs> I was like, I'm so sorry, Lord, forgive me. <laughs> And she, she graciously prayed. I pray that this would come back to you ten times. And I was like, what? And so for the next weeks on end, I'd go show up for work, and my boss would be like, oh, it's too windy to paint today. Uh, you'll get paid for the whole day. I was like, well, that was a couple hundred dollars, and I just showed up and did nothing for. Or he'd be like, hey, uh, actually, this job, this is how much you're going to get. Uh, if you finish it early, I'll start you on something else. I finished that job in two days, which should take, which he priced me for five. So then I was able to work again, and that same job, he did the same thing. So in literally a week and a half, I actually got twice as the amount I gave her. Or love cancels plans to be with somebody. Or love keeps initiating those hard conversations because we love them. We don't want to see them fall. We let that person stay that unexpected night, that extra night. We're like, oh, please. And shouldn't you read at the Bible study? It says leave by nine. <laughs> <laughs> or it puts others' needs ahead of ours. Like I should have actually helped Jared make dinner, but I really didn't, and I'm sorry, Jared. But love isn't, is also not controlling. There's, a, there's an old joke, and the bride says to her father, I don't, I don't want to forget. I don't want to forget what I'm doing. She's at her wedding day, by the way. Uh, and she's like, I don't want to forget the steps to this. And he's like, okay, so just remember this. It's aisle, and there's an altar, and then a, a hymn. You're going to sing a hymn. Not hymn, but you're going to sing a hymn. And she's like, okay, I'll repeat that to myself. Aisle, altar, hymn. And she repeat that self herself to that over and over as she's coming up I'll alter him I'll alter him she gets to the altar and she's saying to him I'll alter him I'll alter him and I was like oh that's real (laughs) 
Loving isn't controlling. It doesn't accept that there's sin. It doesn't say your loving ways are, I'm going to let you stay in them. But we don't try to control them. We don't try and change them because we can't. And that's okay because we don't have to. It's Jesus. But then love hurts. Sometimes the movies show it and sometimes they don't. You give nothing and you get nothing in return. Or you give and you get nothing in return. Or maybe you're rejected. Maybe you're literally spit on or beaten and bruised. You're abused for what you offer. And the reality is this is what's going to happen. When we extend our love to people, we're all broken. We don't know how to receive love properly. Even Jesus, he was literally spit on and he was literally abused and beaten when he was showing the greatest act of love that a, a person ever could, which is to lie your life down for another. But the greatest things in life are kind of the hardest to work for. What does a garden produce? It produces fresh vegetables that taste delicious. But McDonald's is really quick, and it does taste delicious, but I'm going to tell you, you'll be rolling around eventually. But there's something beautiful. See, when we, when we choose to love and are wrong in return, we can rejoice because it actually makes us, when we're, we choose to love and we are wronged in return, it actually we can rejoice because it actually makes us seem more like Christ. There's more beauty. There's more Christ in you because that's exactly what Jesus did. So how do we love? Our flesh is weak. The spirit is strong. Galatians 5, fruit of the spirit. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. I think we always read it as fruits of the Spirit because there's plural. But it's actually fruit. It's one. It's a package. You get it all. You don't just get one. You get it all. And so if we, we look at that verse in Galatians 5, I believe it's 522. Now, if we skip up to verse 5, 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So in order for us to have the fruit of the Spirit, not fruits, the fruit, I think it's important that we get that, the fruit, because if we realize it's fruit, we realize we get it all. We don't just get one. We get it all. The fruit of the Spirit. To walk, live, to get the fruit of the Spirit, you live by the Spirit. You walk by the Spirit. So how do you walk by the Spirit? Walk by the Spirit in obedience, but how do you obey? The greatest commandment is love, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. You love. Exactly. What? See, we as humans, we, uh, we really like to receive before we give, but that's not necessarily how the kingdom of God works. See, it's kind of upside down. It's actually that you giving 
before you receive is how you receive. So when you are loving, when you don't want to, you're walking, you're walking in obedience, therefore the Spirit is going to take over and you are actually going to love. And the fruits of the Spirit are going to come out of you. My old prof always says, well, Quentin, love until you want to. I was like, what? He's like, that's right, love until you want to, because at first you ain't going to feel like it. He's like, and you're going to do it over and over and over when you don't feel like it. And then eventually, you're not going to be able to stop because you created that. You're living by the Spirit. You've been obedient to God. And I was thinking, we as a team here at the church, we were wondering, so how do we, how do we act out love? How do we love those around us? If, the love, if love is truly outward and it's out there, then we need to get out. I'm like sitting in the, I was sitting in the office, actually all week, I'm not going to lie, all week I was like, man, I don't want to be in here right now. I don't want to be in here. I want to be out there. So then I'd go for a walk because I'd be like, ah, okay, Lord, I need to think. I need to pray, and maybe I'll encounter somebody, and then I'd encounter somebody, and instantly, what did I go? Mm, no, never mind. <laughs> because I was scared, terrified. Because I need you as much as you need me. Because in community is where God is. It's in community that we, we actually rub off each other, because one of you has what I don't have that I need, and I have what you don't have that you need. So together, we can do it. And that's exactly what Adopt-A-Block is. On July 25th and August 8th, actually, uh, I want to put together an Adopt-A-Block. And where, I haven't decided yet. Um, but I, want, I ask that you guys join me. Because I need you. I can't love on my own. I will, I will run. I'll be like, I'm the only one going, well, uh, nobody showed up. Nobody knows. Because I'm a broken person. I need you guys. So I, ask, I invite you. Go register. If you have a truck, please bring it. If you have rakes, bring it. If you have two hands and a heartbeat, bring them. So I ask that you close your eyes right now. Now just imagine with me. Imagine that person that kind of weirds you out. Or maybe you don't like them or they're actually your enemy. Imagine that person. Now imagine, imagine that person succeeding. Now ask, if you're bold enough, how can I help them succeed? How can I be the one that helps them succeed? What do you want to be known for? Now as everybody's uh, eyes closed, uh, and anybody who's here or is online, 
and you're hearing about this love, you're hearing about Jesus, and you're like, I want a piece of that. I ask if you're here, as everybody's eyes closed, that you raise your hand, and if you're online, I believe there's a button that you can click. It says, I accept Jesus, and I ask that you would pray with me. Everybody would pray with me. Lord, thank you for your work. Thank you for what you've paid for. Thank you for the example you've given us. I accept you into my life, and I surrender myself to you. Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name.